This is December 13th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on this episode, Connor and I get into uh, the Bruins' successes on the latest uh, Southwest road trip. We also get into, you know, some things that, you know, one thing that isn't going particularly well right now, what to make of it, and how to be rational about that specific thing. Because I don't think it's something that's going to be long-term. Uh, we get into a lot uh, in this episode. Before we get into the conversation, first, let me tell you about our good friends over at Bet Online. Football is alive and well, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your football betting odds and needs this season. Find all the latest football odds, news, and game matchups, including next week's matchups. Bet Online is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including, of course, the NFL, but also the NHL and the NBA. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game stats. Where the game stats. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Bruins are done with their little Southwest road swing. Interesting road trip. Beat the beat the Avs. They were depleted. So that is, you know, it's a win, but there were quite a few injuries on that Avalanche team. Lose to the Arizona Coyotes in a uh, interesting ending, as we those, all expected. Yes, just as, just as we drew up, uh, and then on uh, Sunday, Sunday night, no Patriots. Instead, honestly, at this point, I mean, it's an not actual good team. Obviously, we are in favor of watching the Bruins over the Patriots because it's kind of our jobs. Um, but I think Boston would rather watch the Bruins right now than the Patriots. I don't even think it's close. Um, so I agree. Yeah. I concur. <laughs> Crazy. I don't think that's a controversial statement. Uh, Bruins Knights, uh, Bruins uh, pull out the three one win over. They get the revenge on Bruce Cassidy finally in Vegas. Uh, but and, and and Vegas, by the way, was missing quite a few pieces. Eichel, yeah. Petrangelo, Shea Theodore. Um, still, though, solid West Coast road swing. And one thing that stood out to me on Sunday and, you know, it stood out to me this whole season. We've talked about it a little bit is the Bruins depth. Bruins depth right now. I mean, again, you look at Sunday, Bergeron scores the first goal. DeBrusque scores the second. Coyle sc- scores the third, right? Three different lines, pretty much. Uh, you know, DeBrusque is up on the first line. But, you know, again, that's production from all over the top six. And Coyle being, in, you know, that third line center. Um, and you had Montgomery shuffling the lines and it working out. I think it just hits on this, Connor. And we've talked about this a little bit during the season. But their depth is what's going to kind of propel them through the rest of the season and feels like a real strength, you know, down the road for the playoffs. 
Yeah, I think especially look at that that last game against Vegas. And you're right, I think kind of Montgomery made all the right moves in terms of how the lineup reshuffles where. I mean, again, it's not really breaking new ground like, oh, crap, our 5-on-5 offense isn't doing that well. I'll put, you know, Marshall and Berger and Pasternak together again. What do you know? They put them together. I think it was only like two minutes together, and they scored that, that first goal uh, against Vegas. But you look at the way the rest of it uh, worked out, whether it's, you know, Charlie Coyle getting a guy like Felino, who, you know, fits in well with how that kind of puck possession kind of mantra is for that line. You know, they lead to a goal. And then you credit where it's doing that second line. Obviously, DeBrus gets that goal. Um, Taylor Hall does a lot of the dirty work on that play, you know, fighting along the boards in the neutral zone. But um, Pavel Zaka, who steps in for David Krejci again, who is out again, it's are we looking maybe too far ahead to be like, oh, Zaka, maybe he is like a, a potential top six candidate down the road. I don't want to get there yet. But when you look at just how Zaka has played so far in those stretches where he has to kind of step in for Krejci, he's been solid. Like, I mean, he had a, it was a great setup for DeBrusque goal, but I, I think it was Scott McLaughlin who tweeted it uh, yesterday. I think Zaka leads the the Bruins in five on five assists. She asked oh, me wow. who it would be at the I didn't start know of the that. year. I would not, yeah, I would not really expect it. But when you think about it, I think he has like, you know, 14, 15 assists, and most of them have been, you know, not really getting a lot of power play time. So um, he's a guy that you know, I think has been a pleasant surprise this year in terms of, I think he's underrated in terms of you look at, I think, some of his details. A lot of his play along the boards has been really, really good, but. He also has had some really good plays in terms of setting up guys. So, um, again, don't want to get too far ahead to be like, well, you know, and like if Bergeron and Krejci's gone next year, like they got Zaka, which one is not true because also they got to pay him and he's setting himself up for a yes. nice little pay raise. That's the thing. He, it's only one but, year deal. But all things considered, um, he is someone that is, you know, just another sign of just the fact they've got so much depth that this guy that – you know, when they traded for him, seemed like an intriguing candidate. You asked a lot of people who were Devils fans, they're like, ah, he sucks. Like, he, uh, just wait. You know, he had, like, I think his first goal. And I think more of my replies were not excited Bruins fans. It was, like, random people from, like, Hoboken who were like, that's, <laughs> that's going to be the only goal he scores. So I'm like, all right, geez, like, what did, what did Zaka do when he was there with New Jersey? But um, I think he's been really solid. And he's, again, just a sign of how much depth you have. This guy can step into such a critical part of the lineup uh, at the 2C spot. And, you know, the Bruins really don't miss a beat. Well, yeah, I tweeted the video of him missing that wide open net a few weeks ago. And yes. all, I'm still getting quotes and replies from Devils fans being like, oh, Boston's seeing what Zaka's true colors are. And it's like, no, like if you watch him play, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's three goals this year, whatever. As you said, he leads the Bruins in five on five assists. I don't think anybody knew that, um, just given that it's a surprising statistic. At the same time, though, you just look at where he places himself on the ice. Um, and you said the board play and stuff like that. Very effective. Now, again, and I do want to go there right now, looking down the road, because this is something we had to evaluate throughout the year. If this is Krejci and Bergeron's last year, that's an if. Again, you know, you have Bergeron in that behind the B segment saying, you know, I'm not leaving. You know, is he serious there? I think that's just kind of a spur of the moment thing. I don't think he, like, was announcing it. Credit to the cameraman, though, um, for turning around to catch that. Because, again, if he didn't get that, if he didn't turn around to get Bergeron doing that, we'd all be like, Who's, who said that? Who was the one that said that? Like, you know, who, who, whose mouth did that come from? Um, but, again, I do think it's an interesting thing thinking about Zaka as the 2C next year. Again, as you said, they got to pay him, which is not easy because he is setting himself up for a little payday. Um, 
I don't know. I'm still. I I love the idea of Zach. I kind of compare to Coil a little bit, where it's like I love the idea of them as a depth center or a depth forward, someone you can put up in the on the second line when need be. But I'm not quite sold yet on can you be a consistent second line center now. You can make the argument that Zaka has been more effective than Krejci this year in certain instances, but I still look at Krejci's history and go, okay, well, he's a proven 2C. Um, what do you, how do you feel about Zaka down the road as, you know, next year? The yeah. 2C potentially. Yeah, I think it's probably on the same wavelength as you, where I think he's a very good player. I think he's, you know, very effective in what his role is, but it's, again, same as Coil, where it's like, all right, grade 3C can be a 2C in a pinch and be pretty solid for five, six games if Krejci's out. But over an 82-game span, that's where I think he can run into some trouble where I think it's the consistency, you know, night in, night out, that would be the biggest concern where if he's in that spot, granted, if you give him Taylor Hall and Jake DeBrusque or something like that, maybe that helps a little bit. But you also could have – we kind of had the same argument last year when it was Coyle and Hall, which I don't know what has changed, but – look at them last year and just didn't mesh like you would think that all right Charlie Coyle has the skill has the talent to be a 2C especially if he's being put on a line with guys that can really drive play like Hall just didn't work out last year so that's the thing you you run into where you can tell yourself that these guys can you know consistently play in a 2C spot night in night out but it's another challenge entirely when you when it's you know he's your only option right like it's a thing is the Bruins it works right now but they still do have David Krejci. Like they can still, you know, once he gets back, he's still clearly going to be that that two C spot for them. So I think the it's something where can he fill in for right now? Yes. And who knows what the situation is next year? Like he might be their only option. And who knows? He could be a spot where he's a two C and just because he doesn't hit sixty points like Krejci might hit this year, he can still be effective at forty five points. But still, I think it's just the ceiling is not quite what you get with a guy like Krejci, but then again, there are a few two C's like David Krejci out there. So, And Zaka's a UFA, correct? Or he will be? I believe he is, yeah. I think this kind of ate up his last year of restricted free agency. I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure he's I'm pretty sure he's due for a pretty nice pay raise regardless That's of th- what exactly the structure is, but... You worry a little bit about other teams. I, he likes it here. I mean, I don't think he's like against Boston, but I'm just saying like... You know, not comparing him to Bogarts like we did with Pasternak on Thursday, but team comes along who, you know, might want a potential 2C. I don't know. I'm not saying he's going to leave. But again, I think it's an interesting case. I think we talked about in the in the preseason of can he be, you know, a a second line center in the future? I think they kind of view that. And Sweeney even mentioned that when they when they traded for him as someone who could potentially fill in that role Um you know, down the line in his career. But again, I mean, you just look at the depth on the Bruins. I think they have six players or seven above 20 points. Um, you have Pashnak, who's, you know, got 38, you know, outstanding up at the top. But you also have Marshan, I think it's 21 and 19. McAvoy isn't 20, but he does have 14 and 14, 14 points in 14 games. He's still at a point per game pace. Um, you know, you have Bergeron, DeBrusque, uh, and you have Felino. Everyone's producing. <laughs> everyone's producing and the depth is working. And we said this at the beginning of the season, we'll say it throughout the rest of the season. That's what's going to be carrying them. Um, something that could carry them though. If they used some athletic greens 
If they used our next partner, Athletic Greens, which I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted better gut health and more energy. I don't drink coffee or use caffeine because I wanted healthier natural energy. And AG1 has been providing it in droves. Doesn't taste like it's super healthy or anything either. Has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each and every morning like that weather behind you. That, that's definitely not New England, though. That's definitely not Massachusetts. Sure isn't. Not after sure yesterday. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75, yes, 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source adaptogens, ingredients, and probiotics to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything while still tasting really, really good. And this all supports better sleep quality and mental clarity, which are two cases we can get behind. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just a scoop of cu- in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Just a scoop, just a single scoop to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Um, So let's move on to the goaltending, which has been a very nice surprise for the Bruins. Lena, so we'll, go, we'll, we'll start with Olmark and then we'll go to Swayman because I think Swayman's going to be the, the one that we kind of dive into the most. Um, Lena Olmark, 16-1-0, nine straight wins, uh, leads the league in goals saved above average per 60, you know, at the top of the league in most every advanced analytic. Um, there are other very valuable Vesna candidates. Um, Karaj Vamelka from the coyotes who just, you know, my God, look like one on Friday. That's for sure. That dude deserves, uh, they won't do it because they're the coyotes, but that dude deserves money <laughs> for the, for the shots he has to take for every night, the, the amount of um, rubber that gets sent his way. Um, and the fact that he is, you know, a top five goalie statistically uh, in almost every stat is incredible. Um, but again, Omar's been outstanding. I mean, like, he almost looks different this year. I know he's better, obviously, but he looks different. I, I'm not a goalie guy. I can't sit here and be like, oh, you know, he's he's moving better. Like, he just looks different. He's saving everything. Um, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, a few weeks ago. But if he continues on this pace, right, this happened to Rask a little bit. I think it was 2019-20 when Hellebuck was on a tear. And Hellebuck was kind of like the Felix Hernandez with the Mariners where, like, he would have an incredible ERA, just not a lot of wins because the team wasn't that good. Do you think Olmark has a real shot at the Vesna? I, th- I think he does. If if he keeps up these numbers, I mean, these are, like, video game numbers. Like, if, we, if we're looking at this in January, late January, February or something, and he's still at... <laughs> You know, something like, <laughs> you know, 28 and three or something like that with like a 930 save percentage. Yeah, like he's got to be in the running. Like, I don't I don't care. And again, that's to say he's going to be like a finalist. Like, is he the front runner? It's going to depend, I think, as you said, on how these guys like Hellebuck, who's been really good for a team that wasn't expected to be very good. If um, if a, I can't even say his name, Carol Melka. Vamelka, yeah. If he continues to play really, really well for a very bad team, he's going to be in the mix. But at the very least, Olmark should be like a top three finalist if he's playing this way. And yes, you can talk about the Bruins are, 
the best team in the league. They've got a really, you know, structured zone defense. I think you look at this last game against Vegas. Yes, the Bruins depth scoring finally broke through, but this game would have been three nothing in favor of Vegas if it wasn't for Olmark standing on his head early on, right? I mean, he has those two breakaway saves against uh Ben Hutton, uh William Carrier. And it, I agree with you, Evan. It's like I don't know the the technical details, but he just seems like a completely different goalie in terms of how poised he is. You're not seeing the things we saw last year where, you know, whether it's just his uh the way his approach was or how comfortable he was, whether it was, you know, giving up a lot of rebounds, which was a problem from last year, or just like those 50, 50 kind of scoring chances where you're like, all right, he's probably gonna let this up. Like last year, there was a couple where it'd be a breakaway. You're like, all right, here it comes. Like, you know, it's, it's a tough play anyway, but you're not saying that you're almost expecting him to just make that, you know, make the proper move to like seal off the post or, you know, block the shot or what have you. It just, it just seems like it's natural now that you don't even have to really question in terms of just how locked in he is. Um, so yeah, it's something where you look at the baseline numbers. It's tough to, it's not like he's in the, just been consistently good. He's putting up pretty solid numbers, but his record is crazy. This isn't like Rick Porcello on the 2016 Red Sox where he was like, he was pretty good. But he wasn't like twenty one and three good. Yeah, like he's uh I'm trying to think of like a, a good analogy, but he's like you know he's won like twenty five games with like a two twenty ERA. Like he's yes. backing up in terms of what his play is as well. It's not just the product in front of him that's kind of inflated his record. So yes, yeah, so you can make the argument that if you want to view the Vesna as the same vein as the Hot Trophy, where maybe it's most valuable in terms of best overall, which is you can fall down that kind of slippery slope. Regardless of that, of who kind of steps into that role, at the very least, I think Omar has to be a finalist, at least right now, barring a huge drop off uh, in the months ahead. And I mean, he's playing like a guy that should warrant praise as a, a top three goalie in this league. Well, again, I just look at there have been so many of these 16 wins that they don't win without him. Like, yeah. it's not like he's, you know, as you said, it's not like it's, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus, but like with Quinnipiac, right? Yanni Peretz, terrific goalie. Gets like 16 shots a game because Quinnipiac is so freaking good in front of him. And he gets, you know, gets it aided from that. This isn't that. Omar is getting a lot of shots. Omar is saving a lot of high danger chances. Maybe not as much as, you know, like a team like Anaheim gives up or Chicago or LA, you know, that, that terrible defense out in LA with the Kings. Um, but again, I still look at Omar and say, my God. And to think that you're getting his last year, it was, you know, all oh, that money's not the greatest uh, way you know, they could have been spending it. Now it's different. Now you've got a real value piece there in net uh, with Omar, who's been outstanding. And again, it's tough because, you know, they have five straight home games coming up, as you know, um, which is, you know, wild. that They've just had these this many home games in the first half. Um, do they use Omar for, for most of them? I don't know. Um, what's interesting is we'll move on to Swayman now. Um, Swayman's been different this year. Uh, I tweeted this after the game on against Arizona hasn't really found his groove yet this year, obviously had the injury for a bit of time. Can't hold that against him. Um, just really hasn't got into any groove. Um, you know, again, like four goals on 16 shots against the coyotes. Uh, that's not horrible, but that's not good. You know, like that's the coyotes. They weren't all his fault. That last goal was weird. I still think he probably should have played it a little bit better than he did. Um, whatever. Um, I think you're going to start to see more and more people worry about Swayman. Um, look, he hasn't looked amazing. I don't think he's looked terrific. 
At the same point, though, he's young. He's young. He's played in what? Is it eight starts? It's been eight starts. I believe I so, yeah. I, I don't put a I, I'm not ready to write him off. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody should be. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think you look at the progression of young goalies and kind of the path they take. I think this is something we even talked about probably back in like 2021 when he first burst onto the scene in terms of not getting swept up to it in terms of all these young goalies rarely have like a linear path of progression. There's times where guys hit walls or they struggle once teams get more of a book out on them in terms of what to expect. That just happens. Unless you're a all world goalie who just seems like they're invincible out there. Like every goalie hits their wall, especially early on when they're, 23, 24, 25, trying to set themselves up in the league. Um, I think you're kind of seeing that a little bit from swimming now in terms of, you know, teams are identifying areas or shooting high on him. They're uh, finding ways to try to beat him. And again, that's what good teams do. That's what pros do in terms of finding that inside edge to beat goalies. And now it's the, you know, kind of falls on Swayman and uh, Bob Asenza and those guys to kind of fix those tweaks. But I don't think this is a situation where, just because he's in a lull to start this year means that, you know, his progress is stalled or it's something you have to be worried about unnecessarily. Um, I think you look at some of his play. I think I, I was looking up the kind of diving into his numbers. I think he's fifth amongst all, all goalies this year and high danger save percentage. So it, it's one of those things where it's all right. It's good that he's stopping a lot of st- shots like that. Like he's bailing them up from some great eight chances Got to tighten up against like the 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 mid level shots, right? That was that's like Halak a little bit. I'm not comparing oh, yes. them, but Halak that, that, had that same problem. Exactly what it was. Yeah, it was kind of those shots from low danger or from kind of like that, you know, midway through the slot or something that would beat him kind of clean. That it's been the issue. So he's still there. It, there's still talent. There's still plenty to work with if you're a guy like Goldie Bob in terms of what Swayman brings. Uh, and, you know, his poise, his you know, technical ability, all that stuff. Uh, you just got to work through it. And if you're the Bruins, you got to kind of keep on plugging away, even if that leads to over the next couple of weeks, another loss or two where maybe if it was Olmark, you would have, you know, gotten away with those two points. The most important thing is still getting Swayman on the right track and having him play and be confident because not only do you need him to continue to play well and try to get more consistency out of him, but it's just part of the overall machine, right? Like you can't have olmark play 60 plus games like it's just not feasible for a guy that um i mean his career high in in games played in a season was 41 and it was last year like olmark's a guy that if you looked at one of maybe the few knocks against him when he signed here for coming from buffalo is that he had injury issues and just didn't have a large workload so at the time the expectation was well he's going to be split in time with swimming anyway so who cares if even he he's a guy that gives you 40 plus starts or something like that now you look at the way he's playing right now, going to need him a little bit more, whether it's 50-ish games uh, during the regular season or 20-plus games in the playoffs if it gets to that. Like, you need him to be healthy and, and feeling fresh. And to do that, you also need Swayman playing at a high level to, you know, take some of these starts and playing at a high level down the stretch here in the regular season. And again, I think Montgomery wants to ride one goalie in the postseason. I don't think he wants yeah. to do the alternator. Um in the in the playoffs i just don't think it's feasible it hasn't really worked uh, unless one goalie just stinks and the other steps in like it doesn't you don't like usually rotate games in the playoffs i, I don't think they're you know montgomery is going to be the one to start that unless he does which you know maybe he does but i just don't think he will um the one thing i think you're going to hear a little bit and i've heard it a little from bruins fans is and i don't think any i i don't see anyone like sounding the horn saying they have to do it but i think some are saying should they some are saying you know 
should the Bruins think about trading Jeremy Swayman? And this was something that came about last year, too. I Because yeah. someone brought this to my attention after the Arizona game, and I remembered um, this was brought up a little bit last year because they, they actually needed pieces. And this was a way people, I think, thought that, you know, they could get around giving up a first-round pick. You know, Swayman is a bright young goalie with a really good future, you know, a guy that would replace a first-round pick in a trade. Uh, there's a couple reasons I wouldn't touch trading Jeremy Swayman. Number one, he's your goalie of the future. That's the guy you got in the system. It's very hard to draft goalies and actually develop them and turn them into something. You have that here. And you also are in no rush to make him the starter. You have Linus Olmark here. Olmark's 29. He's got three years after this deal, uh, after this year left on his deal. Um, You know, that's fine. Right now, he doesn't cost you much. Uh, He can split time with Olmark and, you know, ultimately can handle a solid workload, even though he's struggling a little bit right now. Um, But also... You, the Bruins don't really need to, to to get anything big. There's no reason to give up Sway. What would be the reason? Like, what would you? Are you getting another? Like, and you also are tight against the cap. And Swayman is yes. not a problem with the cap. So, are you getting like, you know, a top six forward? Like, you don't really need one. Are you getting a top tier defenseman? You don't really need one. Are you getting another first round pick? That's not going to help you win a cup this year. So, I think you're going to start to hear a little bit of the trading Swayman stuff. And what I would advise people is. I don't think it's – I know it's not worth it. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it. As, and again, I think it also just comes back to, as you said, the most – the thing that I think grounds most of that in terms of bringing some reality into these trade discussions is the cap. You don't have the yes. cap to take – you don't have the room to take on a lot of guys, especially if it's moving guys like that. You want to move a guy like DeBrusque or, or what have you? Sure, I don't think you should move him because he's playing great right now. I, I was looking at, I think, the latest – I think it was the player cards from Dom Lucision where he goes through, you know, how like with the percentile ranks for some players. Rusk has like a uh, a, a war of like 2.9 this year in terms of, especially defensively. I think he's in like the 98th percentile. Helps that he's playing with Bergeron. That is and true. Have, and they have him killing penalties. Yeah, but like he's been like a very valuable two-way uh, weapon this year, not just for the Bruins, but if you look at just what he brings in terms of guy that is on pace for 25 30 goals again with his two-way play. He's been very, very valuable. So, like, that's a guy you probably have to move if you're trying to bring in another big contract. I feel like Bruins fans would be a lot more hesitant about that than maybe a guy like Swayman, who some Bruins fans think might be, you know, stalled or expendable. But I, I just don't see Swayman being a guy worth moving. Again, if you have a situation where in another year or two you have another young goalie in the system, um, whether it's, like, Brendan Busey, or you look at like Phillips Fedebeck, who's been pretty solid in Providence. If he takes a step forward, then you maybe reevaluate down a year or two down the road of Swayman still kind of struggling a little bit. But I don't see this being a situation now where, again, I don't think the way this team's going, I don't think now should be the time to augment your roster quite a bit. No. Right? I feel like you don't really do too much with this roster right now, the way it's playing, barring injuries or something really kind of uh, going awry. Um, I don't see the Bruins necessarily looking at this team being like, you know, this team that's really tight knit and is going on a war path. And this goalie hug. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've probably we we already did a little bit too much earlier this year. Let's let's just let's just take a step back. Let's let's just let's just let it play out. Well, that's the thing. Again, I think that's another thing people have to consider is you know, I don't think trading players off this roster is a great idea because again, after Bruce Cassidy was fired and they wanted someone as a head coach who was more morale based and nice. I don't think it's a great idea to trade players off this roster, you know, cause they're all close 
and it it's it's working. What what would be the reason to to? Uh, and again, I don't know where you're clearly upgrading. Again, we'll discuss all this trading stuff later down the road as the trade deadline kind of hits. Because again, you know, we both said this. You know, other teams are going to make big moves, and I think Bruins fans are going to kind of sit here and go, "Wait a second, why is my team not doing anything?" And we're here to tell you, well, you know, it's always nice to get depth pieces and all that, but you, you've already given up enough firsts. Your team is the way it is. It's very good. There's not really a need to go out and get a big fish, you know, um, and there just, there just isn't, you know, your Rangers go out and get Patrick Kane or, you know, the lightning will somehow do something that, you know, is big. It's okay. It's okay. You don't need to trade away your you know, future goalie and Jeremy Swayman. Uh, anyways, Connor, what could people look forward to from you? Yeah, I think we're going to have you cover every step of the way in terms of uh, Bruins coverage over at BSJ. So uh, please subscribe over there. We'll have game reports, columns, features, all that good stuff. You want to follow me on Twitter? You can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go to all that. That's Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, you Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you.